Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 1998 film Pleasantville. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we may discuss elements of the plot and there may be small spoilers. Enjoy. Pleasantville, it's Pleasantville. Everything's good in Pleasantville. Pleasantville, it's Pleasantville. Everything's good here in black and white. <laughs> very good, very good. That's not based on any particular song. That's just straight out of the mind of me. I was loving it. That's the official Pleasantville soundtrack there, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Pleasantville OST. Brackets 1998. <laughs> you, you know how when um, the early 2000s, when you would when you would download music totally legally from Kazaa or Shazam or um, Napster or Hipster or one of those websites that they used to have, when you download music off one of those and it was always like the wrong song but was called that and it had like the wrong metadata and everything. If you if you ever looked up the Pleasantville soundtrack back then, that's what you got. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. PleasantvilleTheme.mp3. <laughs> or .wav. And it's like a, a one gigabyte wave file that takes you all day to download, and then that's what you get. Just me going, Pleasantville, it's Pleasantville. And of course, the 10,000 viruses that infest your computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, while I'm singing Pleasantville, or like a thousand windows are opening up on your computer and it won't stop. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yeah, LimeWire was my... Um, LimeWire, that's the one. See, I was more of a Kazar kind of guy. Of course you were. I yeah. don't even know what that means, I'm just using it to insult you. <laughs> you've, we've got tribalism over all sorts of things, haven't we? You know, you've got tribalism of politics, yeah. of football, of Napster and Metallica. Like. So I think that we we go all the way down to oh yeah, you use this illegal downloading tool, you pig. You hog. <laughs> Why didn't you use this one? Yeah. But yeah, in 1998, when Pleasantville came out, they were nostalgic for the 50s, they're making films about the 50s. At this point now, I think we're five to ten years off nostalgia for the days of very, very slow file sharing of MP3s. Yeah, imagine you've got mail, but it's two people trying to share a song over LimeWire. <laughs> you've got a virus! <laughs> uh, yeah, beautiful. I reckon that that could happen, couldn't it? I, I think that would work really, really well. Uh, yeah, film, film about illegal illegal file sharing, and the, there's people like meet and they're sharing the two like people who are sharing the most files over the illegal network and their usernames. They're leaving like little romantic notes for each other in just like the metadata of the files. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be great. Until Metallica I... comes and shuts it all down, and then yeah, they both Metallica have to go are to the villains. <laughs> yeah. They have to write a very, very nice letter to James Hetfield to ask him to let them find out each other's identity because there's no other way they can do it without other than getting all their files out of the file vault that he's got the key to. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, this could work. This could be great. Yeah, for sure. Especially as this is probably around 2003 when it's St. Anger era and Metallica and they're a laughing stock anyway. Did you see the hilarious um, thing about Metallica? Did I send it to you? Which um, one? There are so many. There's so many. Obviously, the entirety of Saint Anger. Um, but um, but they did like a live stream on Twitch for BlizzCon, the the Blizzard event. Oh, you uh, did send me this, yeah. But explain but, it to me in more detail because I think the words Twitch and BlizzCon have t- taken this slightly over my head. <laughs> So, old man, twi- uncle, grandpa, oh, Paddy yeah. over here. I, yeah, I don't cent- Twitch. I don't TikTok. You know, I need. I need this explained to me. Centrist dad, Paddy here. Yeah, needs some, <laughs> Keir needs Starmer some over here. <laughs> um, okay, Keir. So, um, Twitch is a uh, 
live stream platform generally used for video games um and blizzcon is an event that blizzard the video game developer runs right and they had a special musical guest for blizzcon this year which obviously isn't taking place in a big event or anything like that um metallica we're going to play some songs and it was going to be live streamed However, the music industry has so destroyed being able to play music over live streams that Blizzard had to replace Metallica's music with, like, uh, Creative Commons use soft electro, <laughs> because otherwise they were going to get a, a a copyright strike on their own channel of the band playing their own material. Wait, so Metallica themselves agreed to it? Yeah, but they so couldn't Metallica legally get it signed off by the record label? Well, the thing is that it's all automated, so it's probably all signed off absolutely fine. Right. But, uh, copyright strikes are basically automated across all these platforms. Yes. So something will have pinged and gone, we're going to take you down. So they realise, <laughs> shit, we're going we're gonna to have to do it. So they swapped out their music for this really light, jazzy, electro-folk stuff. It was wonderful. That's amazing. Um, it's like it's the algorithm. They got beaten by the algorithm. They got beaten by the algorithm, which That's was like how on um, record labels. That relates to this show, actually, which is that we're on YouTube now. We've been on YouTube for a while. Um, and thank you to everyone who's listening on YouTube. And I really like that because it makes our show, it automatically generates the captions for our show, which are often wrong and hilariously bad. But it's good if you want, if you want to be able to access our show and you have, um, aren't able to access the audio. Um, it's a big problem for podcasts, actually, in general, that they're not access- as accessible as they could be. So I'm, I'm really, really happy about that. And I'm slowly getting all of our back catalogue on there as and when I can. Um, but on a lot of our older episodes, um, we've used very, very short clips of like a, a relevant song, um, which is copyrighted music. And then I get told in the YouTube dashboard that that means I, like you can't listen to this episode in Cuba or somewhere because this, there's a copyright claim there on the song Smooth by... By Santana featuring Rob Thomas because of course we're making loads of money off of that so come at me Santana <laughs> <laughs> yeah they can take all the money of that episode <laughs> yeah so no, and it doesn't get banned but it, it usually just says you can't monetize the episode not that we're monetizing it anyway but you know there no, it is no because and and this is what's interesting is seeing companies um having kind of fights over takedown requests so there's a video game youtuber called jim sterling um who is is extremely good um really on the ball in terms of um you know social issues issues within the industry and he's been very much against the sort of automated copyright strike and he's been targeted by um by bad faith um strikes from people who don't like the content of his videos and mm. they've tried to of, of, of their videos and they try and take them down um and so what they've done is <laughs> occasionally what they've done is to avoid a company like nintendo or ubisoft from being able to copyright strike the video <laughs> and get the ad revenue what they've done is they've put a song at the end um ensuring that then there's a fight between a record label and a video game publisher over who gets the ad revenue of it uh, which then completely screws up the whole thing um they end up that. having to split the revenue or something like that and it just just makes it annoying for everybody so they they, they still don't get the money they they um they get most of the money off patreons i think right um but um but what they've done is just make it harder for other people to get money off the work which i think is yes yes do that screw these companies which is why on some episodes of our old show we you know we switched to a jazzy theme about 10 to 20 episodes ago to make it a bit like a sort of Nora Ephron film and I, I really like that and I think it's very us but up until that time you might have heard say a bit of Santana at the beginning of the episode and then honky tonk badonkadonk at the end or vice versa and the reason for that is that we want um, Trace Adkins and Santana to be splitting the massive revenue that we get from it it's our, it's our, it's our <laughs> gift exactly. to them so have you had any um, Trace Adkins copy copyright strikes uh, no actually <laughs> i don't think i've gone as far back as when we were using that as music yet on the <laughs> uploads but i'm sure that yeah we're gonna get find out that our show is banned in texas or whatever <laughs> amazing amazing yeah no, trace yeah. atkins is gonna come after us He's even though we've this. given him so much free promo yeah we we love honky tonk it's a genuine anthem 
Yeah, yeah, that is our anthem. Um, if we were ever to get married, then that would be what we had as our first <laughs> if dance. If I was I ever think. to divorce my wife, <laughs> so me. I could marry you instead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that it would could be happen. Our, that would be our first dance, wouldn't it? Yeah. The dancey version <laughs> as well. Oh yeah, of course. Not the not the country version. And you do the the intro where it starts with him saying, "Now nah, you know, you boys, you know, this is our favorite song, right?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you don't um, know the song "Honky Tonk Badonkadonk," if you're new to this show, <laughs> it used to be our theme music. It's it's a country pop dance rap hit about an ass. Yeah, yeah, that is what the honky tonk badonkadonk is. Yeah. Um. Anyway, right. So. This week we watched a movie just for a change. Yeah, there's um, no honky tonk vadonka donk in Pleasantville. There is not, but what you do have is interesting art styles and stuff. So had you seen had you seen Pleasantville before? I had never seen this film before. No. I was oh. aware of it vaguely, but I didn't really even know what it was fully about. I just knew that it was in black and white, or at least as I now know, some of it was in black and white. And that it was some sort of nostalgic film that I think was a bit of a cult classic that some people seem to really, really like, but generally was a bit under the radar. So I was, it was a good time, I think, and a good choice of you to, to pick it. And I found it a very, very interesting watch. But you'd seen it before. I have. So I was a huge fan of this movie when I was younger, but I haven't watched it in a good decade, I think. Right. Um, it's one Can of you remember things- when you first saw it? So I first saw it when I was in my early teens, I think. Um, and uh, probably, you know, I, 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 I had quite bad insomnia a lot when I was younger. So it was probably one of those things that was on TV at like one in the morning. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, mm. yeah, OK, this looks interesting. And then watching thought, Oh, this is good. Um, I actually owned this on DVD. That's how oh. much I liked it when I was younger. Do you still um, have any DVDs knocking around? So I have a box. Um, so it's like a, you know, those steel boxes where you have often DJs used to use them where they have CDs in them mm-hmm. um, for like the CD switches at club nights. Um, I've got one of those steel boxes that's that's full of old games, CDs, and DVDs. Um, so any CDs that I didn't want the artwork for are in there, which is only a handful. Um, but then old games where I didn't want to keep the boxes and DVDs where I didn't want to. Uh, keep the boxes all in there you mean like Um, cartridge games no so the cartridge games are in a separate place (laughs) they're in a little cupboard um which i can't bear to get rid of my old nes games gonna say you've got you've got quite a lot of those i always used to enjoy coming to your house and ogling those yeah i've got because i've got the old nintendo entertainment system i've got the super nintendo um as well um which when i move which will hopefully be soon i might actually have space to put them somewhere other yeah than cupboard, which would be nice um but yeah so yeah i did i did own pleasantville um and i wow. really enjoyed revisiting it actually um it's held up very well for me at least yeah i uh, as, a, as a first watch i found it very very enjoyable i mean I, I think it has flaws and i understand why it didn't do as well as it could have done or perhaps even should have done but at the box office and critically but yeah, overall, I found it very, very enjoyable and interesting work. And I think one of the most important things to note about it is that it's ambitious. Um, not just, I mean, it comes across as ambitious now, looking back on it. You know, it's over 20 years old. This is from the from the late 90s. But it, it was very, very ambitious then. I mean, not, not just technically, but in terms of its concept as well. And you know, I always like a film that aims high, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I'd rather have something that's ambitious than plays it safe. And I think Pleasantville is definitely one of those movies, you know. Um, and, and like you said, it's not just from a technical perspective. So obviously, you know, the big pull of this movie is it's in black and white, but then colour appears. Ooh. And that, that's the big sort of visual allure of the film as it were yeah and i didn't um, realize they shot it in black and white and no, sorry they shot it in color and then removed the color from all the like hundreds of thousands of frames individually yes yeah it's a real painstaking effort to create this film um and i think uh they often use things like um green makeup that they could green squeak green screen for instance so yeah in in those scenes you know there's there's these very powerful scenes where where the mother is putting on makeup to cover up the fact that she's gained color 
um and and in those kind of scenes um it was it was green makeup so that they could green screen it to make it look gray again afterwards um and so you know from a technical perspective it's a really fascinating and ambitious film but also you know um in terms of its pacing in terms of its plot in terms of its themes it's also got quite a lot going on and what i like most about it is that this is one of those movies that you know it goes in one direction initially but it shifts into an entirely different area as it goes on and it does it in an almost seamless way so much like harry styles exactly this is the harry styles of movies um where to to begin with it's kind of (laughs) light-hearted it's one of those light-hearted um teen sort of comedy things where you've got these high school kids they're thrown into this outlandish situation it's hot tub time machine basically isn't it (laughs) yeah Uh we're stuck in a 50 sitcom the hot tub the the hot tub machine repair guy the hot tub repair guy comes around and says oh i've got a hot tub there and they're like we didn't order a hot tub guy and he's like here i am (laughs) let me fix your hot tub for you this one will put you right in the hot tub this will put you right in the right in atlantis there we go that's our next (laughs) have you seen hot tub time machine i have seen hot tub time machine and we should talk i have not we should talk about that film um because it's uh, no we'll leave it for when we do eventually talk about hot tub time machine um but yeah no that's our next movie it's a hot tub or maybe no maybe it's like a jacuzzi instead so we do a slight variation on a hot tub <laughs> jacuzzi it's, time machine <laughs> uh the, the jacuzzi portal experience <laughs> that, no, that just sounds like a psychedelic rock band <laughs> that, that's my next band that's my next band but no what we what we need to get to is that it's um it takes them to Atlantis accidentally. So it's like they, they go in the hot tub and they press the button and the bubbles come up and it's like, oh, these bubbles are a bit much. And then it like sucks them down and they go into Atlantis and have an adventure. That's what our version of this movie would be. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, it, it kind of begins like that, doesn't it? That it's this zany premise. It's like, oh, they've been pulled into the TV. What hijinks are going to happen? And you get all of those sort of funny bits where um where reese riverspoon's character jennifer she introduces sex to them for the first time and obviously it's all sort of played for laughs but then it the the thematic element of it slowly creeps in and it really grabs you and it becomes by the end a much more serious film that talks about more serious issues um and i really love the way that it managed to do that and it doesn't always land there are some issues with this movie um but the fact that it tried to talk about something important through this premise while still maintaining that real visual power, I think is something that shouldn't be sniffed at. Yeah, and it is gripping, as you say. It it goes in directions that you don't expect it to. Um, the main thing is, obviously, when it when it starts out in the real world, Tobey Maguire, uh, young pre-Spidersman Tobey Maguire and young Reese Witherspoon, their brother and sister... They're at high school um, together. I think they're twins. Is it twins? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, he really loves this 1950s TV show called Pleasantville, which was which is introduced in a really really brilliant title sequence. You know, they 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 don't make them like that now, do they? <laughs> they don't make title sequences like they used to. No, nope. back in my day, it was all the good title sequences, <laughs> all about the shows, all the great shows. But um, there's a really great, great title sequence that introduces the concept of the 1950s show Pleasantville as this sort of um, suburban nostalgia piece where everything's just fine and perfect. And for some reason that is never, I think, fully explained, 1990s Tobey Maguire is a massive fan of this show. Um, you, you assume that it's because his um, his life is perhaps a bit chaotic. His parents are divorced. His mum is like on the phone to her dad, telling him to f off because she's going to go and have spend the weekend with her new boyfriend or whatever. And you assume that it's because he wants that sort of suburban, stable ideal that doesn't necessarily exist, but maybe he sees that in the show. But that that's never fully explored. Um, so then when he gets sucked into the show at first he's like we have to go along with it and then he changes the most in realizing that actually he does need to change 
the Pleasantville universe for the better. And the journey that he goes on is is very, very interesting and is, is very, very compelling at the centre of this film, even though I think there are some sort of internal logic problems with it. Yeah, for sure. And and I think you you're you're completely right about his character and the motivation behind him liking Pleasantville is that you've got that sequence at the beginning where it almost forms a montage where it's here's everything that's wrong with the modern day and it's just beating you over the head with these depressing yeah. statistics and everything like that. Um where he's almost this um he's this microcosm of the idea of looking back at an idealized version of a previous generation and thinking oh god it was so much better then yeah um, and I, th- I think we're all we're all guilty of that at some points you know i think about sometimes oh god it would have been nice to be in a generation where there was more job security well, what's hilarious about that montage is it's all you're going to graduate college and there's going to be no jobs there's going to be nuclear war there's going to be this that whatever they thought everything was like the future they thought the future was bleak in the 90s and that was like before they even knew about climate change or Elon Musk or any of the stuff that we're having to live through now. So like That's that's the thing is, yeah, it's um it's it's before the dread that we all feel. You know, this was yeah. this was before the the constant war on terror, um, for instance. It's it's a very it's a different world in in, in 1998 but it kind of taps into the same mentality that people have now i mean just look at brexit britain mm. um where it's all about harking back to a bygone age when britain was all powerful um could you do a brexit version of pleasantville like a thing where some people fall through a pub toilet and end up in like a <laughs> idealized in colonial, yeah end up in dad's army yeah and then they have to liberate all the old men from Dad's army and make them realise that whatever they're saying isn't cool and that actually all people should be treated equally and stuff. I don't know. People, it falls through a pub toilet and ends up in Only Fools and Horses and then faces the <laughs> shocking realisation that actually that show is not very funny anymore. <laughs> or perhaps ever was. <laughs> Come at me, I don't mean, Brexit man. And, and I don't mean that in a hashtag cancelled way. It's an incredibly tame show with nothing <laughs> dangerous about it whatsoever. I mean that I personally do not find it funny. And that that's what I find interesting about a yeah, lot of Yeah, but even if old... the fools weren't horses, I think the, the... Even if the fools weren't racist, sorry. I think the horses were, you know, a little bit close <laughs> to the Massively racist yeah. horses. Yeah, I find that... I find, you know, a lot of these people, they talk about, oh, all these woke-tivists stopping us from enjoying our old shows. It's like, have you tried watching Faulty Towers in the year of our oh, Lord 2021? God. It's so fucking boring and so fucking And tame. I used to love that show, honestly. Yeah, like, when yeah. when I was a kid, we there's a kind of a thing we used to watch as a family and we all thought was really, really funny. And it, it is like a universal show that everyone knows. But yeah, I don't think I could watch it now. It's just dull more than anything it's not it's not risque it's not dangerous in a way that right-wing anti-censorship brigade wants you to think um it's just a bit boring like comedy's moved on yeah you know i'm someone i'm someone who watches monkey dust and enjoys monkey dust i don't (laughs) think that i don't think that faulty towers or monty python is going to shock me you know no and i've and I've watched all of these shows they're just they're just tame by today's standards i suspect um, that there's some monty python stuff that would hold up like maybe the meaning of life life of brian and stuff i think the oh yeah some the, of the, the film movies, work is probably still very funny the movies are extremely funny we watch them on the semi-regular here john cleese is a dick though he's just uh he's a gammony old bastard isn't he <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, he's an old brexit old man uncle grandpa but but we've kind of Ooh. So in the Brexit version of Pleasantville, he can be in it and he can fall through the bar. He falls through the bar and it's like, oh God, I've just realised I was never funny. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, but, but, but interestingly, that kind of falls into one of the main themes of Pleasantville, which is that it talks about media censorship. And, you know, censorship isn't what... Um, what the right-wing media wants us to think it is it's not people with green hair and nose rings going you must hashtag cancel 40 towers we must cancel dr seuss which is today's one 
um, that they're complaining about. Or oh, why? Because people can't get green eggs anymore. Pe- well, I, I think people have realised. Oh wait, Doctor Zeus did a lot of of racist shit in the past. Which, like, yeah, of course he did. So some places have said uh, we're probably not going to use his books that much anymore. Um, which is fair yeah. enough. Find something better. You know? Yeah, a bookshop choosing not to stock stock his books is not censorship. A bookshop, this is where the right thinks that that is censorship, and it's it's not. A bookshop can choose what books they want to stock. You know? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, um, instead of um, you know, the, the right wing media heads, they want you to think that not being able to say racist, homophobic, or transphobic things uh, without being called out. They, they they want you to think that that is censorship but in reality censorship is a much more insidious and must much less easy to recognize issue um which is uh which is talked about in pleasantville you know it's, it's about the eradication of sexuality in the media it's about the eradication of relationships in the media it's about the eradication of female agency in the media um mm. and 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 this comes across all the time in this film so it, there's that very funny scene where where uh jennifer is is off to go to the loo and realizes that there's no toilets anywhere um or or everyone sleeps in single beds and that's not, not just a nod to the fact that sex doesn't exist in this universe it's the fact that according to the fcc in america you are not allowed to show toilets um in in tv at that at that point in time in the 1950s um and was that true yeah yeah um i did not know that yeah do do we know when the first toilet was shown on tv (laughs) so so i think it's one of those things that came in and then went again but it all, all all kind of ties into the censorship that was around in that time about keeping things pleasant basically so two single beds instead of a double bed because you can't even show the possibility of people having sex um all of this ties into the way that right wing uh companies and right wing ideals have censored thought and censored ideas for an incredibly long time in a much more dangerous way than people claim left wingers are trying to censor people at the moment um, and it all ties into what the FCC was doing into the Hayes Code, which I've ranted about on this podcast before. Um, the uh, Comics but, Code. <laughs> the Comics Code. Um, but yeah, that, and, and that's one of the most interesting things about this movie is the way that it, it talks about that. So you've got that great line where he's like, um, oh, we've got to keep things as pleasant as possible. Um, you know, uh, think of the children. We can't we can't show things that children might see. You painted this giant mural, mural on the side of the police station in full view yeah. of where children <laughs> are walking. Um, he says there were minor children there. And what's hilarious about it is there weren't. Everyone in Pleasantville is in high school, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you've got that <laughs> Apart one. Apart from Jeff Daniels. You've got the one paperboy kid. Um, yeah, he's the only minor. Who, and to be fair, he did see the boobs and then crash his bike. So <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so, so good for him. No, no, it wasn't great for him. But yeah, and and that's the thing that this movie, although it's kind of a parody and although it's 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 very much formed in what censorship was like in the 1950s, you see these same methods to undermine people with protected characteristics or or to undermine counterculture throughout this movie. And and those are the same things that are being used now um, where they, they, they set out that decree in this movie. So people have started splitting off into Technicolor and monochrome and monochrome is the prim and proper right-wing traditionalists and the technicolor is the 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 burgeoning expression of a younger generation and people yeah. challenge the worldview um, people who feel emotion and stuff yeah yeah exactly um and 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 the 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 mayor big bob he sets out this this decree and and one of the things is that they must focus on um the non-changest view of history focusing on continuation rather than alteration and what struck me watching this movie in year of our law 2021 is that sounds an awful lot like what the right wing want to do to history at the moment so Mm. what they want to do to the national trust what they want to do to the curriculum in schools what they want to do to universities um keeping historical teachings as the propaganda they've often been rather than offering challenging thought about our heritage and history yeah Whereas, and they're the ones accusing the left who want to portray things close, more close, you know, closer to the truth. I, we were colonial oppressors when we were this global superpower. Yeah, um, they say that we're the ones who are censoring. Yes, it's yeah, exactly. ludicrous, exactly. But they, in fact, they are the ones by suppressing 
learning and by suppressing history they are the ones actually doing it and so i found that yeah. there's these really i wasn't expecting this movie to hold up as well um in the modern day as it did when i was younger but actually there's mm. things that feel almost more potent in a way it's surprisingly relevant especially actually as i said the stuff how it's it opens with that kind of the future is looking bleak so let's look back instead kind of set up you know you you could easily make this now couldn't you in yes, a different way yeah yeah you you could and so i think yeah the brexit pub toilet is definitely <laughs> what we want to do that's our new film <laughs> So, yeah, that's our film. That's our new film. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's a movie that's about, it's about media censorship. It's about, um, it's about, it's, it's a critique of that nostalgia for the 1950s. It's a critique about the social injustices of that time and how the 50s nostalgia boom kind of avoided all of that, like we talked about on our last week's episode yeah. um, about Greece, where hey there was lots of bad stuff going on in the 1950s that you're not talking about here um, yeah but also there was a counterculture so what what pleasantville is trying to do is to present a vision of that without any counterculture to remind you that actually there was a counterculture exactly at the time. exactly yeah um and so yeah it's an interesting and surprisingly complex movie you wouldn't necessarily um you wouldn't necessarily think of it as being complex if you just looked at the first 15 minutes, but it really... No, or at the end, actually, because it's it, it ties it up and it ends it in a way that's very, very fitting and quite obvious, but that works, where they're at the town hall meeting and he's been arrested for doing doing some art on a wall, and he says to Big Bob, get angry now, get angry with me, yeah? And then Big Bob gets angry and he turns into colour and it's all like, yay, everything's in colour because we were all at, like emotional and feeling stuff now. And that's like, it's, it's a nice ending, but it works. Yeah, it all wraps itself up. Um, I do think that the end raises a lot of questions. Uh... Yeah, so <laughs> Reese Witherspoon decides to stay inside the TV universe, which is just so bizarre. Yeah, um, she goes very, off... very strange decision. Yeah, she goes off outside of Pleasantville and goes to college in the 1950s. Um, I don't understand yeah, how because she likes of... books now. <laughs> yeah, she likes books now, and the rest of the world gets created within the TV by them, you know, uh, breaking out and breaking into yeah. Technicolor. When um, everything's in colour, suddenly there are buses in Pleasantville that can take you to other places. Suddenly, the 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 um the Eiffel Tower exists. Uh, yeah, you know it's 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 really odd, and it kind of doesn't really explain itself. Um, what's Toby Maguire going to say to his mum about where his sister is? Yeah, uh, where's where she gone? Where's she gone? It's uh, yeah, it's but but it kind he of... doesn't try to persuade her to come back. He's like, yeah. Things are better here. But also then it's like, well, why wouldn't he stay? He's got it pretty good there. He's like a national treasure. Yeah, he's a he's a little hero of Pleasantville. He's got a nice he's job. He's the a big diamond. man on campus. Um but yeah, no, he but yeah, I guess it ties into their characters. So she's learned that she wants to read. He's learned that he can <laughs> She's learned how to read. <laughs> yeah, and and he's learned that he can stick up for himself and stop being a creepy weirdo sitting around in a uh, in a in a parking lot at the beginning of school talking to himself um yeah. it's uh yeah so if it, it's it, it fits into their characters but from a logic point of view it doesn't necessarily work does it no and that's the internal logic problem that i think gives it a, f a few marks down and at, at times does raise an eyebrow and does distract from the, the brilliance of the aesthetics of it and the the journey that toby Maguire's character is going on is that yeah there's this whole thing that like everything in pleasantville is just in this one vacuum so the main street just comes back onto main street and it's like everyone in in pleasantville only only knows about pleasantville and they don't know about the world outside but to be a human being you must surely know other things and it's like yeah the the internal logic of that i think doesn't quite work and the 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 main one of the most obvious examples of that is when the tree catches fire and he has to go get the fire brigade they're called the fire brigade so surely there's a concept of fire but when he says fire they don't react they only react to cat because the joke is that they only see cat they only rescue cats from trees because there's no nothing ever catches fire 
but it's like to be a fire department they would still be aware of fire i'm not gonna i I know i'm going on about it but that that kind of struck me as the the internal logic problem that it suffers from but you know as i said i would rather have an an, an ambitious work that struggles with its internal logic than an, an unambitious one that is just a pure nostalgia piece See, I didn't necessarily mind the fire department thing because I think that tied into how the use. I just of... hate cats. Yeah, I was going to say it's just because you you don't like cats. Um, if it had been dogs, it would have been fine. And did, there was a dog. There was the Dalmatian. I hope you saw the Dalmatian. I did. I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't mind that because for me, at least, that tied into the 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 continual theme that they use all of the language of the time period but they've taken all of the venom and danger out of it. So the other example is that they're all aware of, of the idiom, you can't win them all. Um, but then they think, can't win them all. oh, this must be what, when they finally lose a basketball game, they finally realize, oh, maybe that's what that means. You can't win them all. Oh, and that's why they say that. Um, so, <laughs> so, so that's kind of, that kind of thing. I didn't mind because I thought it all, that wrapped itself up in its logic of the way that they use language in Pleasantville without any of the connotations that the real world uses. Um, but it, it was quite clunkily done, I think. I do agree with you on that. Yeah, it, and it, it's very, very tough to pull off. So it doesn't make it like a bad movie, but it's, yeah, it's a, a funny, funny thing, a funny old thing, the old internal logic. And speaking of funny, I think there's some very funny moments in this movie as well um particularly early on but but even in the more more serious moments i think there are some some bits of humor here and there um so um reese witherspoon is often a sort of catalyst for humorous moments um often turning the 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 innocent language of the 50s on its head when she's speaking to other people Um, she brings the horn she brings the horn yeah she is the entire horn section of this of this movie because she creates horniness throughout the entirety of pleasantville on her own um there's that great line where she's like oh you can pin me anytime you want to uh to, (laughs) to paul walker um which is which is wonderful um but but there's there's also humor elsewhere so can we talk a little bit about big bob who is possibly my favorite character yeah Um, he's kind of a scary guy uh so he's he's like the mayor um who kind of stands up as and and is this idealized version of the the traditional male uh of 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 television and cinema of the time but he's also very funny so he's got a couple of great moments where um when you first meet him properly um it's in a barber's and he walks in and someone gets up from their scene and is like, oh, Big Bob. It's like, uh, please, please, please come and take a seat. And it's like, oh, I couldn't possibly take your seat, he says, as he goes and sits down in the chair um, and proceeds <laughs> to get shaved. It's brilliant. Um, and the uh, guy's halfway through getting a haircut. He's yes, getting a, yeah. a geek pie. Yeah, getting a geek pie. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's another great bit where later on, and I can't even remember the context, but I wrote it down because it made me laugh. Where he's like, "Oh, we're safe for now. Thank goodness we're in a bowling alley." Yeah, that <laughs> really made me laugh yeah. as well. <laughs> um, and and it, yeah, so so Big Bob is this great character. He's kind of the antagonist, um, played by J.T. Walsh, who um actually died before the film released. Um, uh, but and then was um was 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 honored in the in the film's credits um, yeah they dedicated it to yes him, yeah um and and he's a great character actor he's been in all sorts of other stuff over the years um but he's wonderful in this um not necessarily as the villain because although he's the antagonist um the villain really in um in pleasantville is the structure um of pleasantville much like in real life we've got structural issues which cause a lot of the problems capitalism basically is is the structural issue that causes causes a lot of our woes and 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 institutional racism and things like that and so pleasantville itself is the structure and he kind of is this embodiment of that so you know being pleasant is the villain in pleasantville it's all about keeping things as pleasant as possible but doing so in a way that inhibits the well-being of the majority of the people of the town um and and his character is this 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 perfect little moment of that this little piece of that which you can kind of grab onto and think yeah this is what's wrong with this idea about society almost yeah for sure and it wants you to realize that part of that structural problem is weaponized nostalgia um but it doesn't go too heavy on that 
but it still says, you know, here is this nostalgia for the 50s. Now that you're in it, it needs to change, which I think is, you know, is, is good. Yes, yeah, I think it's a it's a positive message. It's, you know, just by keeping things tame and keeping things how the 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 heavily restricted messages of previous generations media wanted it to be, that's not a way to create a healthy society. Um which I think is a really interesting message to put forward in a in a film and it's it's done quite uh quite impactfully as well i'd say yeah for sure um i would say though my main criticism of this movie beyond i i I don't necessarily mind about the logic flaws i can overlook that um i did find that some of the metaphors were a bit on the nose and sometimes something blunt gets the job done and i think a lot of the time in this movie the bluntness of it works but there are a couple of moments where they do things like they use the word colored and it's like yeah, yeah you didn't need to do that um, and it makes the connotation it, of that. It's like two scenes, but it's like, oh, really? Yeah, you're gonna go as obvious as that. And if you're gonna go as obvious as that, there aren't any black people in this movie. I don't no. even <laughs> think any extras in the modern day scenes. Um, it's still a white movie. It's still an incredibly white movie. It makes me wonder why did this win the Oscars? It's a movie about social injustice made entirely by white people that's surely exactly <laughs> what the oscars should be giving oscars to um, yeah starring Char- scarlett johansson as a boy <laughs> who falls into <laughs> the tv falls into a jacuzzi and ends up in brexit land yeah Bre- brexitville um but uh, <laughs> but yeah i i think you know this is a movie that you know it's not just about race but race does play a big part in them talking about the injustices of the 1950s obviously it's about that it's about um yeah female it's like it can't bring itself to actually be about race yeah it's it's a it's a a smorgasbord of all of the social injustices of the 1950s thrown into one place without specifically talking about any of them in clear terms and you think you know maybe you could have at least had some black extras at the end when reese witherspoon's at university or or something like that you know, if, yeah. you're, if you're going to be talking about race, I think you need to actually be more precise with it. And I think that's that's my one issue with this movie um, is if you're going to talk about it in nebulous terms, don't do that. Actually talk about it. Yeah. And so the, the threat and the, you know, the um, the injustice that it tries to portray is a little bit nebulous. I think that's the right word for it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but you can you can kind of forgive that, I guess, um, because in general it hits home. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a little bit vague. Again, vague in a way that a lot of Hollywood movies are about these kind of things. You don't often see Hollywood movies that talk about these, these problems directly. Um, yeah, especially Hollywood films from 1998. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and it kind of, it, it's balanced it out a bit by... Um, by there being such incredible performances in this film that you kind of forgive those flaws as well. Um, so obviously you've got you've got Toby Maguire and Reese Witherspoon. They're great as the two leads. These, these this brother sister combo. Um, but then you've got uh, a great ensemble cast. So William H Macy is the TV dad. Yeah. Um, Joan Allen as the mum is absolutely wonderful. She's a she's a wonderful actor, mm. um, and I think she's she's absolutely great in this. But then you've also got jeff daniels obviously um you've got i love jeff daniels you've got don knotts uh as the tv repairman who's famous from the andy griffith show so they got someone actually from one of these old sitcoms to come in and be this character which is brilliant um and of course that's a very good move it's it's really great and he's perfect as this as this very strange tv repairman um and then you've got paul walker as well rest his soul who's really great as as the sort of meathead jock character in the high school um, and also shout out to two minor Buffy the Vampire Slayer cameos. Um, so two of the minor cast in this were in Buffy. Um, which and is... shout out to Jenny Lewis of my low Kylie fame, who is in the the very like first scene with Reese Witherspoon as one of her high school friends. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't think she even had any lines, <laughs> but, but there she was. There. But she's there. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a great cast, isn't it? And I know that you're a big fan of of uh, our boy Jeff. Yeah, he's great. I mean, everything I've seen him in, he's been brilliant, and he's done so many different things as well. And you think of him as kind of an old guy, but actually, he's like 
He's been in so many fantastic films. And I think, weirdly, he really, really stayed with me because he was in the live-action 101 Dalmatians in 1996. Oh, yes. Which I think when I was like eight years old, I thought that was one of the greatest films ever. And he plays the guy in it. Where it's famously snowing all the time in London. Yeah. And he's like a penniless composer, but they live in central London in a flat (laughs) overlooking Regent's Park. You know, all of that stuff. It's great. Uh, for me, he's always he's always Harry from Dom and Dumber, but he's done so many great things. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, he was in the newsroom. He obviously um that 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 show never quite reached what it should have been. I don't think opinion. I ever saw that. Um so it's the Aaron Sorkin venture about people working in in TV news. Oh yes. Um, that's right. And and sometimes it had great moments. Um and he was the lead in it and he put in some great performances, but never never quite reached where it should have been um but uh but yeah obviously uh, the most famous and most important uh job he had was was voicing the character of zartog in the movie space chimps <laughs> obviously yeah everyone knows that one everyone knows that um and also being uh keanu reeves's partner in the original speed <laughs> the bus that couldn't slow down also playing a character called harry um, have you ever watched Speed? You know, I don't think I ever have. Oh, man. I'm aware of it, obviously. It's the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> it's the bus that couldn't slow down. Yeah. It is Maybe a... we should watch it. <laughs> I mean, there is romance in it. It's it's super good. I really I really love Speed. I think it's a great movie. Um, but, uh, but And Speed 2 Cruise Control. Yeah, which is... I've never seen that, <laughs> but the tagline always stayed with me. <laughs> just a, that is a very bad movie, but it does have Willem Dafoe in an excellent performance as the villain um but uh he's always the villain (laughs) in everything um he's like the sort of anti-william h macy isn't he yeah it's the the william and willem yeah willem defoe and willem de friend you can't (laughs) (laughs) um i'd they should be in a movie together if they've not where they could play they could they could do dr jekyll and mr hyde couldn't they that would be awesome. Well, I would William love H. that. Macy, Macy is Dr. Jekyll and uh, Willem Dafoe is Mr. Hyde. That would be great. Why has this not happened yet? Yeah. Netflix, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, Netflix, get in touch. Let's let's make this happen. Both of them, of course, have starred alongside Tobey Maguire in various films. Yes, but, um, yeah. Um, we can get Tobey Maguire in as somebody. I can't remember the plot of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in, in detail. I read it when I was younger. But uh, I can't remember. I'm sure there's other characters. It's not just two people. Yeah, there'll be an assistant. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There'll be there'll be somebody, won't they? Won't they? Um, so, uh, so uh, I also wanted to point out that Pleasantville is directed by our boy Gary Ross. Um, yeah, I was re looking at Gary Ross's CV, and it's got a lot of good hits. It's an interesting career because he's you know Pleasantville. He's maybe not done anything as interesting or as ambitious as Pleasantville, which is interesting because it was his first movie. Um, but you know, he's, he's he's had some other decent movies throughout his career. You know, Sea yeah. Biscuit. Uh, it was the, his first film as a director, but six years prior to this, he wrote the film Mr. Baseball, in which Tom Selleck plays baseball, and in which Tom Selleck does do his own baseball. So is, is he is he na- is his name actually Mr. Baseball? It is, yeah. He's, he's, he's hi. I'm Jonathan Baseball. I'm, I'm, I'm a player for the Detroit Tigers. I'm Jeff Baseball. Jeff Baseball. Yeah, that's that's basically it. I have don't think I've actually ever seen it, even though I love baseball and I love Tom Selleck. So this is one of those things where I, I'm always asking myself why I haven't seen that film, and I don't really have a good reason. <laughs> well, I know what you're doing this weekend. Um, but, yeah, but yeah. So so he, he did Sea Biscuit. Um, he did the first Hunger Games movie as well. Okay, the watchable Hunger Games movie, the best one. Um, yeah, the second one was quite good. It was fine, but it was basically just the second, the first movie over again, wasn't it? Yeah, um, with some more characters. Uh, and then he did Ocean's Eight, which I heard was quite good fun. Um, as well, the 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 female led Ocean's Eleven. Um, yeah, I I like that conceptually. I'm sure I would watch it if I was like flicking channels and it was on. Yeah, I've heard. It. I don't necessarily think it always works. I don't know if you ever watched the um, female cast Ghostbusters movie. No, I never did. Um, I'm open to it, of course. It's not like high on my list of priorities, but you're not one of those people that goes, "They've destroyed my childhood by having women." Brr. Brr. 
Um, no. <laughs> it's it's fine, but it's it suffers from being made by um, uh, what's his face, uh, um, Kevin Feige from uh, from Bridesmaids. Paul Feig. Um, is it Paul? Did I say Kevin? Yeah, Paul Feig. Kevin Feige, you said. <laughs> Who's Kevin <laughs> Who's Feige? Kevin, Kevin Feige. He's a baseball player. Yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> no, he, think- was, he was the jockey no, in Seabiscuit. I'm telling you, Kevin, Kevin Feige is... No, I'm getting him mixed up. He's the guy who currently runs Marvel Studios. Kevin Feige. Right. Paul Kevin Feige. Feige. Everyone, every fan of comic books knows that. Kevin Feige. He's, he's the a- Marvel guy. Yeah, Kevin Feige is the guy who does all of the Marvel Studios movies. Um, right. Paul, Paul Feig, yeah, that's right. He's our he's our bridesmaids man, and he did Ghostbusters, um, right. and it does have his level of comedy. So it's very sort of ad libbed, meandering, uh, dialogue heavy, which isn't necessarily the right fit for for Ghostbusters. So some bits of it are very funny, but he kind of just let the the actors let rip and just you know bounce off one another and so it doesn't feel tightly paced it doesn't feel um it doesn't have the right pacing at all for the kind of movie that it wants to be which is a bit of a shame because sometimes it is it is very very funny right that's what i've heard um yeah so, so, so yeah, it's I'm got open really to good, it but it's yeah. got it's got really good bits um i think the cast in general is really good um kate mckinnon is hilarious in it um but it's just a little bit yeah it's it's a bit of a missed opportunity um unlike some of his other movies that he's made which hit a similar point so i'm one of those people that will forever defend uh the wonderful movie spy starring melissa mccarthy where oh yeah melissa, i've not seen that where melissa mccarthy is a spy um and it's it's genuinely one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life she's brilliant in it um rose burns in it in this hilarious jude laws in it as well um miranda hart is in it as well um, and is is genuinely hilarious as another one of the operatives. It's just a oh, it's a great film. We should watch that at some point. I'm open um, to that. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. If you want funny Melissa McCarthy, and I don't think she does a shit in a sink at any point that, in the movie. That's definitely a plus. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, which I'm, I, I, is a plus for you. Is a plus for you. I know that you were highly offended by bridesmaids. Yeah. I hated that. Hashtag cancel bridesmaids, says Paddy. Yeah. The FCC didn't put a stop to that one, did they? <laughs> they did not. They did not. You ever seen Seabiscuit? I've not. A no. Dreary film about horse racing. It's it's horse racing in the depression, but a horse makes people feel better. That's that's what it is, basically, isn't it? Yeah. And Toby Maguire rides the horse. William H. Macy commentates the horse. You know, it's got good people in it. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard it's good. But as I have zero interest in horse racing, it's one of those things that I've never watched. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the only but other Gary thing... Gary Ross wrote, directed, and produced that one. Yes, so the, same as, the same as Pleasantville, actually. I think he was, every, yeah. he was everybody, wasn't he, in Pleasantville? Um, he was. He was here. He was there. He was everywhere. He was in the diner. He was in the town hall. He was Jeff Daniels. He, he was all over it. He, Tommy was owed it. Yeah. Um, which which actually worked. And sometimes it does work. Sometimes these people, that you give them control and they're able to actually create something brilliant out of it. And I, I it, he's one of those people where I will be interested to see what he does next. Um, Always. And I, th- I think that those kind of films are often the most ambitious ones, right? Going back to the point I keep, I keep laboring about it being ambitious is that that's often how you get there. And that's also yeah. often how you end up with The Room. <laughs> but, but even The Room is great in its own way, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Um, the, the only other thing I wanted to call out is, oh, I love that cover of Across the Universe by Fiona Rappel. Yeah, that's nice. It's so good. Um, and it almost makes you forget about the fact that Reese Witherspoon has decided to stay inside the TV universe and go does. to college there. It does. It nearly makes you forget about that, doesn't it? <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah. Oh, it's such a good cover version. I think possibly better than the original. Come at me, Beatles fans. Yeah, I think I'd agree. It's, uh, as much as I like the Beatles, it's not one of my favorite songs of theirs. But this is the nice version that makes you sit up and go, oh, well. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's not uh, as bad as well. My guitar gently weeps, but it's not that <laughs> good either. Well, I, I like it. I think it's I think it's a really good song. Um, 
but uh but yeah while my guitar gently weeps is obviously i'm a big sad boy whereas across the universe <laughs> is 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 much more i don't know it's a more it's not a dirge no no exactly so i'm a fan of it um even even if the lyrics kind of remind me a bit of these words by natasha beddingfield <laughs> which do you know that song right these words yeah yeah fucking dope it's a song about writing a song yeah <laughs> it's so good um, these words do, do, do. yeah that's how it bow, goes bow, bow. this podcast brought to you by natasha beddingfield yeah we've got to get through this <laughs> that was her brother <laughs> yeah but she had to get through it too <laughs> she did whatever happened to to the beddingfields i don't know i hope they're doing well I hope they're doing well too. I they were thoroughly pleasant to bring it back to the movie that we watched. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, they were, and it, I think Pleasantville uses uses its aesthetic well, but also uses the, the the art that it shows well. There's the whole thing with Jeff Daniels and his painting, and um, Tobey Maguire brings him a book of like famous paintings and art from the library, and it shows all the paintings in color and stuff. And then the, he does some paintings, and then the people of the town come and destroy his artwork. And I found that genuinely really, really hard to watch. You know, it hit that emotional button for me. Yeah, definitely. I think it does have that. It has that impact, um, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it has that. It has that emotional punch. It's 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 not. It doesn't go where you expect. And I think people who watch this movie for the first time off the back of this podcast. It might, yeah. It, it. If you watch the first fifteen minutes, you're not necessarily going to know where it's where it's going to end up. No, it will remind you that art is good, sex is good, books are good, Burgers college are good. is good, burgers are good, Jeff Daniels is good. Old you know. white men are bad. Old white men are bad. Easy. <laughs> yeah. What else do you need to know? Yeah. So no, and. It does that in a way that, you know, it, it packages all that stuff up and gives it to you with a nice little emotional punch, which is what you want from an entertaining film, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's very neat. Um, in spite of the logical flaws, it, it does reach a neat little conclusion, which I think is, yeah, well done. Well done, movie. We like it. Yeah, it is neat. That's good. Um, so yeah, have you got anything else you'd like to share about Pleasantville? No, I think I've covered everything. Just that I it was unexpectedly horny in parts as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it's got a big horn section, hasn't it? Yeah, um, Lovers Lane. They all yeah, drive their cars Lovers down Lane. to Lovers Lane. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's got a it's got a big old um, big old horn section, which we appreciate. Sometimes yeah. it's nice to to have a movie that remembers that sex is a real thing. And as you say, I I think it does hold up quite well and is surprisingly relevant to now, but is also quite different to a lot of films that are around now and is a nice sort of palate cleanser between us watching a lot of stuff that is kind of part of the Netflix streaming service churn of films. It felt very different from all of that to me as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. And Um, not just because it's from the 90s. No, no, and I, I think... I don't think there's much in this movie that um that has aged to be honest with you um i think its core premise i guess maybe they'd be watching it on netflix instead of a movie marathon but tv shows still exist oh god and then netflix would do a thing where you get sucked into the netflix and like promote all their shows inside it like they did with the christmas prince yes yeah exactly maybe that's what's going on with the christmas prince oh my god it's like yeah they're stuck inside this netflix meta universe yeah yeah that's what it is that's what it is hashtag free princess whatever her name is <laughs> yeah yeah i um, really hope they do a fourth one yeah i want i want that come on let's 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 make it happen netflix get on it um anyway yeah. right so uh if you've not got anything else to share how are we going to rate this bad boy um how many episodes of the 1950s TV show Pleasantville are you going to watch as part of a marathon of it? 
being shown on TV. Ah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a good old uh, sixteen episodes. I think. Nice. That's good. Yeah, I will. I will do the same. I, I'm in complete agreement. Sixteen. It's a good good size marathon, isn't it? Sixteen episodes of a possible twenty. You fall asleep just just shy of yeah of the end. You yeah, can't stay up. Too you can't late. stay up all the way to the end, but you nearly make it. Yeah, no, no one stays up all night in Pleasantville. You'd be too tired to go and work in the diner the next day. You've or got to go put on your old man pajamas. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm sure they wear. Um, they're all wearing all wearing those old man pajamas with a little cap. Yeah. Oh, like a little, little um, wee willy winky nightcap. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, anyway, right, what have we got up next? I'm excited to hear what you Well, I, I asked my wife before we started recording what film should we do next, and then she proceeded to look through what was on Netflix and list loads of films and text them to us. So you've seen this same list as I have. So, but I'll give you I'll give you some choices there based on actors. So you can have Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. You can have Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Or you can have Jack Nicholas. Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Nicholas, the golfer. The golfer. <laughs> yeah. Um, ooh. Or drill. Or okay, drill. Jack Nicholson. Or drill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am. Um, mm, that's a tough decision because I think I know what. Um, you could work it out if you look yeah, at the text that she was yeah, sending us. I think I know what they would be, but let's go with a bit of Hugh Grant. I like a bit of Hugh Grant. Good call. Good call. Um, we're going to be watching the film Music and Lyrics. Ah, excellent. Have excellent. you seen it before? I have not seen it. See, I've seen it. Well, I chatted with my wife about this before I came up to record. I have seen it, but I can't remember that I've seen it. So I think that bodes well. This is the one that's got um, Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore. Is that right? Yes, as you know, I I love her. So yes. it's yeah. going to be. This is going to be a good one. Cool. Yeah. No, I've not seen it, but I am excited to give it a go. I'm surprised you didn't go for Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be in a specific mood to handle Mark Wahlberg. That's um, that's true. And that is that's not, true not just for you, but for everyone, I think. That is not me right now. <laughs> I'm not, no. I'm not capable of handling my Wahlberg. I'm too tired. You haven't got your funky bunch. I do not have my funky bunch. <laughs> but yeah, on that note, that film was Instant Family. And just as an aside, I wanted to say we, we randomly caught it on TV the other day and I was pleasantly surprised by it. So I won't say any more than that because I'd like to save it for a future episode. Oh, but... cool. It was much better than I was expecting. And Mark Wahlberg was much better than I was expecting. Well, I, th- I think Mark Wahlberg's one of those people where if you use him effectively, he can be very, very good. Um, oh, like like a rock-type Pokemon. Like a rock-type Pokemon, exactly. Or an ice-type Pokemon. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly who Mark Wahlberg is. Um, anyway, that's yeah, good. so yeah, no, we should watch that in a future episode. But yeah, no, I'm excited for a bit of music and lyrics. Yeah. It, it's a good one, I assume, having seen it once before and <laughs> no memory of it. <laughs> right, well, thanks a lot for tuning in. If you watched Pleasantville, we really, really hope you enjoyed it and managed to find some joy and get that nice little emotional punch from it like we did. Um, if you haven't seen it, do go and watch it. It is well worth your time. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod, on the emails at Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. And as I said, we're now on YouTube as well. Um, so you just go to YouTube, I think it's youtube.com slash Paddy Johnston. And um, I've got a playlist of all of our episodes that are on there where I'm adding to the back catalogue as we go. Um, and thanks a lot for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. And last things to say are the usual things. There's a, um, a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. Just think of it like a tip jar. And also please rate, comment and subscribe. Yeah, come and subscribe and tell us what TV show you'd like to be sucked into. What oh, TV that's show? A good question, yeah, actually. what TV show would you like to be sucked into, Paddy? Uh, Crofts, <laughs> just to play with the dogs. No, but yeah. you, you'd be. No, a, I'd want to be a dog. You'd, yeah, you'd be a contestant, so you'd be walking around naked on the little fake grass and having to 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 do a little twirl for the for the weird dog eugenicist judges. <laughs> All right, so so am I human, but they see me as a dog. But in the film, viewer sees me as like a naked human crawling around <laughs> pretending to be a dog. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happens. That's really nasty. 
<laughs> what about you what's your choice oh god i have no idea i've been watching too much horrible shit recently which i definitely don't want to be in like you mean uh, like eastenders well i've been we've been watching the walking dead which i definitely don't want to be a part of um, yeah always sunny in philadelphia i probably don't <laughs> want to be a part of that experience um, no i was gonna say even if you could choose your character but nobody's good no, could be no. country mac maybe could be country mac maybe <laughs> um uh bob's burgers which would be okay because i'd work in a nice burger restaurant that would you could be, be the burgers bad. i could be the burgers um yeah i don't know i don't know it's difficult it's difficult mandalorian i'll be baby yoda oh, and then i can come too and i can carry you around in a floating egg <laughs> yes exactly yeah or we can both which be jowers this show is suka, like suka, suka. <laughs> yeah suka 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 um anyway right uh yeah go watch the mandalorian go, go watch and the mandalorian tell, yeah, tell us what show you'd like to be sucked into yeah yeah let us know yep all right and we'll be back next week to talk about music and lyrics the film <laughs> i'll be back to talk about music and lyrics the things yeah the concept the concept of music and lyrics <laughs> all right bye-bye right. bye, -bye. bye.